Hello and welcome to the Give Yourself the Chat podcast. I'm your host, Peter Lewis, and this show is all about leadership, coaching, and living a life of high performance. Um, hello, everyone. Welcome to uh, Give Yourself the Chat podcast. We've got another episode for you today, and I've got my dear friend and colleague, Annabelle Charman, with me. Um, Annabelle, good afternoon. How are you? Hello, I'm very well, thank you. Nice to see you. How are you? I'm, I'm good, I'm good. So, bearing out, so it's coronavirus still, you know, so even if the listener is listening to this in a couple of months' time, let's hope we're out of lockdown, but no, we're still firmly in lockdown, but we're in good health. How about yourself? Yes, I'm very well, thank you. Getting used to the whole working from home on week four now, so. Week four, yeah. I mean, it seems like a long time ago all this started, and yet we're still getting used to it. And I know we'll, we'll chat about that this afternoon. Um, for the benefit of, of the one listener, hello, mum. We, we met, I don't know how many years ago it is now, but it was, it was a leadership development program that uh, you, you came through. And I'm, I'm happy to say that you, you've done really well in your corporate life, despite the training that you did <laughs> with me. <laughs> so, um, um, and, and I know we've got a few things in common, like uh, a love of running. Um, I, I think your love of running perhaps goes a little bit more extreme than, than mine. Um, but why don't uh, give us an idea of kind of what brings you to, to where you are now in your professional life and, and perhaps some of those interests I've just mentioned. Sure. So um, my my background has always been in a banking, I suppose. So I, um, I'll, I'll start from, I guess, when I was um, finished my A-levels. I was going to read law at university but decided to get a job instead because I wanted some practical experience. Yeah. And I had no idea what I wanted to do. My brother was in banking, so I thought that seemed like a good idea. So um, I got a job at uh, Clearing Banks. It was Lloyd's at the time. And um, then I carried on at Lloyd's for, for quite a few years. I had a brief stint working in nuclear power station when I got a bit disillusioned with banking. And... <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that about you. I said stuff yeah, to find yeah. out. Oh, okay. um, so I was in procurement in nuclear power station, and then I moved to London and went straight back into banking, really, but in um, property banking. So, um, and I worked for a competitor of Close Brothers, where I am now, um, and Close asked me to join them, and that was oh nine years ago now. Really? So. Wow. Yeah, quite some time. So you are now, let me guess, you're chief operating officer for the division, is that right? That's correct, yes. So, so I've got I've got an idea of what a chief operating officer does, but it's probably wholly incorrect. So why don't you what's what's in your day job? If that's well, a simple question or not. To, <laughs> to be honest, it's pretty varied, to be honest. It's um a mixture of my responsibilities are systems, um, people. Um, the, the key operations of the bank, so um, making sure that everything runs smoothly, that the customer service is, is good, that our staff are well looked after, that our right. systems are stable. So all of those things are wrapped around the operations role. So every day is different, which is one of the things I love about it. Well, I'm glad you said that because I was going to ask you, what, what attracts, so you started off thinking you're going to be in law, you dabbled a bit with the nuclear industry and then you go back to banking. So is there a common denominator amongst any of those things or do, are you just, do you just love working in finance? I mean, it's, I guess it's each to their own, but what, what's your kind of, kind of motivation around that? 
I suppose the variety is what really appeals to me. When I first started in um, banking, I was in the client-facing side. So I looked after clients. I really enjoyed that. Um, I love speaking to people, meeting new people. But I think it was helping people that really is a driver for me. Mm. And now I'm still helping people but and solving problems, but in a back office role. Okay. Um, so it's that problem solving, I think, which really drives me and is one of the attractions of this role because you're solving problems all of the time. Yeah. Now, uh, so that's, that's interesting. So um, the last four weeks has presented quite a problem to solve. Um, you talk yeah. about people, you talk about coordination of systems and operations and everything else like this. I mean, four weeks ago, was your world just blown apart or have you just pivoted and just think, okay, well, principles still apply. I just now need to operate via different mediums, via vid- video, more phone and things. Um, kind of t- talk us through that. I mean, did it kind of blow everything apart for you or have you kind of dealt with it in your stride, you'd say? Well, for the, the property team, it was quite a change because um, we're not particularly tech savvy. Our industry isn't either. So um, not many people had the capacity to work from home or, or knew how to use tools such as WebEx or Zoom or whatever it may be. Right. So it's been quite a steep learning curve for us. Um, But to be fair, you know, we took it in our stride in a relatively short period of time. And we're talking kind of days. We had the whole division up and running, working from home. I mean, that was with the support of um, the wider bank and the IT. And, um, you know, it's it's been pretty smooth to transition since then. It was a real challenge. And as you say, lots of different problems to solve. Um, I think one of the key things for me, though, is helping the staff and the culture transition. Because mm. um, it's all well and good giving people the technology to be able to work from home, but really trying to help them with the isolation piece, help them stay connected to each other in the business yeah. has been one of the biggest challenges. And that's been one of my main areas of focus, really. So again, it speaks to that that people aspect that you found attractive with the role, but now it's it's very much. It's, I think it could be so easily overlooked. Is that okay? You're working from home now. You've got your computer. You've got your connectivity. Let's crack on. But you know, you you will have found, as I have with some of my clients, it can be like I say, it could be isolating. It could be dislocating. You're mm-hmm. lonely. Um, there's so many variables, and the people aspect I think is is really key, isn't it? It is, and. I mean, even for me and my own direct team, we've had to kind of find different ways um, to keep in touch with each other. Um, and actually, I've really learned some, some things from the last four weeks. Um, I mean, I had one-to-ones, for example, with my team, but because they were kind of ad hoc because I, right. I saw them in the office. Yeah. Um, but we've actually now scheduled those in and I have um, you know one-to-one time with each of them but it's not just a conversation about work. It's a conversation about how they are, how their families are, what's going on for them outside of work. Because, um, you know, we all have different challenges and work is only one part of that. And all of those challenges, that home life and work life kind of collided now. Yeah. And we need to find a way to make that work together. Yeah. Um, so having those one-to-one calls, I think, are really important. Um. I- yeah, I was going to say, it, it becomes whatever you were doing that was working 
um, in the offline world, in their sort of, you've just really got to double down on, haven't you? So if you were having one-to-ones once every couple of weeks or so, and now it's probably twice or three times a week, just to make sure you've got those the regular touch points, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. But also having downtime together. So having um, like a quiz at the end of the week. Yeah. Um, we had a game of heads up um, over WebEx. Brilliant. A bit chaotic, but <laughs> it was actually really good fun. And um, we were able kind of to just share a bit of, of downtime together. And, yeah. and again, just have a bit of a laugh and see the lighter side of it. Because yeah. with all the news, all the terrible stories you hear, um, there's a lot of negativity and that can weigh on people's minds a lot. So trying to give them some relief from that is is really important, I think. Massively. I mean, you talked, well, we talked off air, didn't we, about how, uh, how challenging it is for um, anyone ordinarily to get used to this. But if you've got working from home and you've got young children at home who just see mum and dad at home and they're tugging at your ankles, come and play outside in the nice sun, um, a lot of people are having to do you know, it, it pushes work almost to the end of what would be a normal working day and then they've got to do. So their energy levels and everything. So I think it's really important, like you say, to have that release, but also to legitimize the fact that this is not as easy and straightforward as you might realize. This is not, you're working from home in your pajamas. How easy is that? It's really tough. It's really tough. Mm. So what have you, because um, I know we wanted to explore, I mean, I, 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 with every episode guest, I, I asked what kind of theme would you like to talk around? And you very much sort of focused on sort of habits and discipline. And you kind of let slip to me that you've created some habits and you've carried some habits over. And also you kind of, you know, you weren't shy in saying that actually there's some some positive here, but there's also some negative around. So, so let's bring it to you personally. What, what have you found in terms of habits that you've perhaps developed or enhanced or, or had to really rethink? So um, I've been, because I've been reading um, James, James Clear's book, Atomic Habits. Great. So that's kind of what um, made me focus on, on habits, I think. And I was reflecting upon the last kind of three, three and a half weeks and thinking, well, what have I been doing in terms of how have my habits changed? And um, certainly because, as you, as you suggested, I'm, I'm really a keen runner and um, done a few ultra marathons, and so sorry, a few. Was, You've done loads, haven't you? <laughs> um, I, I don't know how many actually. But <laughs> well, there you go. You've done many. lots. <laughs> <laughs> so, so being in lockdown for me, um, it's really important to keep that discipline and that habit of, of the exercise. But it's yeah. really important, obviously, to keep adhering to the government guidelines. So, um. A habit I've, I've definitely maintained is the daily exercise. And I think that's become even more of a habit that I've drawn up a bit of a spreadsheet for myself. Oh, right. <laughs> which I have beside me here, which is a bit sad. Okay. So what, is that, is that the plan or is that just recording what you've done? Well, this is, this is actually a circuit, um, a mini circuits plan that I've drawn up. And I know it's a bit old school to have it on a piece of paper, but what I do is is I kind of tick it off each day when I do it and it makes me accountable. And I find that that kind of visual prompt is is really beneficial. Mm. And um, the other thing I do is, one of the things, the the bad habits I have when I'm in the office and it's carried over into work life here is I find it hard to draw a line at the end of the day to finish work. 
Yeah. Um, so what I've tried to do is have a hard stop, so an alarm on my phone at six o'clock. And no matter what I'm working on, I will stop and take my daily exercise then. Okay. So, and whilst I'm either running or walking, I'll, if I've got work which I'm in the middle of, I'll take that time and think, is it really that important that it can't wait until tomorrow? And most of the time, by the time I've got back from that walk or run, it's helped me to put things into perspective. And actually, I'll leave it till tomorrow. Yeah. And if it's that important, then yes, I'll go back and, and quickly finish it. But it's making sure that I have that kind of hard stop at the end of the day. Um, and, and that kind of discipline around the hard stop is, is something that this lockdown has brought about? Or were you doing that previously? No, I was really struggling to do that in the yeah. office. Um, I guess the only hard stop that was kind of enforced was train times. Yeah. Because my hour, my commute is an hour and three quarters each way. So um, if I if I missed a train, it would mean that you know it would add three quarters of an hour, an hour onto my journey in the evening. So that kind of um, was the only hard stop that I had. But of course, when you're working from home. But there isn't anything like that. No, no. And, um, and the, the danger is it's so accessible. You can walk past your computer and just have a look. And so it actually takes more mental discipline to, to do that when you're working from home than it would perhaps in the office with all those other hard stops you've got. Well, that's encouraging. And that's something that you want to continue, I guess? Definitely. I think it's been really useful for me. And also um, building that in with the daily exercise, um, again, is, is really important to me because of my running and to keep my fitness up. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's working really well for me. Um, so, I think... Um, no, go on, Annabelle. I think um, some of the other things... Um, I know one of the things that, that I think you've mentioned before is meditation. Yes. And... I've never been really that keen on, on meditation, but um, one of the things I have introduced as a new habit is I'm quite lucky because we have a garden and I can hear the birds. Mm. And I find that kind of quite relaxing and a good form of almost meditation. So for 10 minutes each day, I will try to dedicate that time to thinking or reflecting and I can hear the birds kind of singing in the background. And for me, that's, that's a really kind of good space to be in, even if it's just for a short period of time. That's really interesting. So is that morning bird song or just any time of the day, you just go out and listen? Any, any time, really. I mean, I can, I can even hear them now. Yeah. So I think it's really relaxing. Um, and whilst obviously I won't be able to play bird song in the office... <laughs> Potentially, I could if I put in my headphones. <laughs> well, you could, but I think what this speaks to. Um, so you're right. I, I, I have a morning routine where I do my meditation. Crikey, it's hard. I mean, meditation is such a, an easy thing to describe. It's possibly the hardest thing to master. But I think in trying to master it, you're you're getting more mindful anyway in that process. I'm all for that. I, I've actually been advising <clears throat> and working with my clients to say, "What are you doing?" And this speaks to your idea here to sort of transition from one meeting to the next and this idea of releasing that last meeting 
getting mm. clarity of your mind before going to the next meeting. And, and I think what you've just described there, that popping out into the garden, if you've got it there, or even if it's just to stick your head out the window or just do something else, I think it's really important that we get the habit of transitioning between these things. And, and that's a habit that you can carry on through any part of your life. So I yeah. think this idea, I think it's, it's almost like, how do you make meditation accessible and useful in the day? And I think if you can trigger it between those meetings or events, I think that's a really useful approach to meditation yeah definitely um I think it's the thinking about nothing and clearing my mind which I find the hardest thing to do Um, well I was having this conversation and it's like it's not about stopping stuff coming into your mind it's not following that thought as it comes into your mind it's so hard it's so (laughs) hard to do but but again you got to honor the struggle and, and the process which is great so that that's good um so I'm guessing then, as a as a mad keen runner, an ultra runner, you've had some events cancelled this season. If it's anything like my triathlon season, it's I think I've got one event left in September, and even that I think is doubtful. So you know, with give yourself the chat, this idea of how do you kind of manage the, those thoughts, the the, the pressures, and the, these things that life sort of throws up. How have you managed and that? potentially disappointment or or whatever the frustration around events now being taken away and still maintaining focus composition so what what do you do to kind of stay on top of that um it's interesting because i i had lots of events planned as well and i've missed quite a few of them already and i had a real um kind of series of events planned for the rest of the year all of which were going, going to be impacted and, um, you know, running's really important to me. It's part of who I am. And um, it's important not just from a physical perspective, but from a mental well-being perspective. Um, and I must admit, though, I've been less concerned about the events being cancelled than I thought I would be. That's interesting. Um and I had booked them. I was seriously training for them. But in the context of what's going on at the moment in the rest of the world, I'm healthy, I'm safe, my family are too. So I can't really justify being too upset about events being cancelled. Yeah. I've kind of put it into perspective in my own mind. Mm. Um, having said that, you know, the fitness is really important to me so building in those habits that still give me that kind of mental and physical well-being um whilst I'm at home um have been critical to you know making sure that I've got that um those goals to aim for in the future I mean Mm. I've got a massive event in a really big challenge for me in September, if it goes ahead, I need, need to still make sure I maintain my fitness up until then. So um, I still have those goals in mind, but yeah. are they really that important? They'll be there another year. Well, that's interesting. And I think that's a very positive reframe. And, and I think actually moments like the, the situation that we're in, it's possibly easier to accept uh, the 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 fate the disappointment or you know the because you know in the scheme of things you know there's people are dying this is really serious stuff and, yeah. and and actually going for a run no matter if it's you know 
whatever it might be, or triathlon, is, is just play. It's something that we, we are able to use our discretionary time for and put our energies into, and it's great. But in the scheme of things, it doesn't matter. But not every time, not, we're not, these are unprecedented times. So it's possibly easier to reframe that. So, but yeah. how, do you, how do you perhaps give us a clue as to how do you manage those moments, perhaps when you're in a race, and all you want to do is stop, take the easy way out. You know, I mean, this whole give yourself the chat thing I talk about in, in my first episode. And, you know, the story how I, you know, I was on an Ironman run and all I wanted to do was stop. And I felt really sorry for myself. And it was just that voice inside that said, well, this hurts now, but it's going to hurt forever if you don't complete this. I mean, yeah. how, how does that relate to how you handle perhaps the in the moment pieces where it's not quite as stark as well people are dying therefore get a grip of yourself Annabelle it's it's a yeah. little bit more sort of nuanced so I've had plenty of times in events where I've wanted to give up and actually sometimes for not very good reasons just yeah. because I've been fed up and I, I just want don't want to continue sometimes I've been in pain and um you know medically it's been the right thing to do to stop but um, I've had plenty of those moments where I've had to give myself a, a chat um, and I've had a bit of a tantrum and kind of cried or yeah. shouted or whatever it may be. Um, the real drive of me is probably what other people will think if I don't finish. Okay. So, um, and that probably says something about me. <laughs> um, but... I really, my, the perception of, of other people's perception of me and what they think of me is really important. Mm. And I think because running so much for my identity, um, whenever I reach a difficult place in a race, um, it's a really good motivator to think, well, you're doing this for yourself. Um, that should be your main motivation. I know that actually the real motivation is what others will think. So it's almost that peer pressure, even though it's a false pressure, because, yeah. you know, none of my friends or my colleagues would think anything less of me if I didn't complete a race. In fact, most of them are so bored of hearing about my races. <laughs> <laughs> but um, they probably don't even know I'm doing half of them. So, yeah. um but in my mind, it's important. So that's what keeps me going. Um, and I guess it's your point about if I don't finish, how much worse am I going to feel? Than mm. if- I, th- I think there is, there is something, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's intrinsic in that fact that you get yourself going and you get yourself, but actually a lot of it is extrinsic. I mean, for you, it's, it's perhaps a, what you think the perception of other people. Um, for me, it's like a sort of future pace. It's my future self and what I might think. I think, that I think this give yourself the chance is always is a lot of the time is tethered to something out beyond ourselves and whatever that might be and um, and and it's it's fiercely personal for us all you know but I, but I think there's there's some common denominators there but I'd I'd like to explore how does that sh- that drive or that that sense of self show up in your professional life because uh, as mm-hmm. I said at the start of this episode you've done really well despite working with me on a leadership program so. Um, <laughs> You know, and, and to, to, to any sort of external criteria, you are a senior, successful female executive doing really well and on, on a really good trajectory. How much of 
what is in your running life crosses over to the motivation to do well in business in your professional life, would you say? Um, I suppose I'm very self-critical. And so whilst that sounds like a negative, I actually do see it as a positive in some respects because I set really high standards for myself, both from a running perspective and also from a business perspective. And, um, And that means I'm always striving for more. Um, so I always want to take on more things. I always want more challenges. Um, and so whilst at times I do really beat myself up, probably unnecessarily about things, it just means that I'm always aiming for a really, you know, high standard, a, a high target. Mm. Um, and I think that's one of the things that's really helped me both from a professional and, um, and personal perspective. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you were very kind to say that, you know, I'm a senior executive and very successful. I don't really necessarily see myself in that way. Um, and I almost feel a bit embarrassed and cringing a bit. So I guess it's that imposter syndrome still a little bit. Ah, that's um, interesting. So, and, uh, but I wonder if that's linked to the nature of who you are and, and always wanting to drive to be better and that, by virtue means that you you get on. I, I wonder how much of that. I mean, the imposter syndrome is a in, really interesting phenomenon. How does that show up for you? Because it's the one thing I, I know about imposter syndrome, and I talk to people about it. You, from the outside, you're like, "What are you talking about? You're so good at what you're doing." And yet, the the, the more um, able and capable it appears people are, the more they seem to feel this imposter syndrome. What, what's going on there? Do you think? Um, I. <laughs> I suppose it's it's a difficult one to to explain. I think in in every role that I've been lucky enough or fortunate enough to be given the opportunity to take on, um, I've always thought, you know, I, I'm, I'm just not capable of doing this. I and I, I I still think that now, and I've been in my existing role and and for what four or five years now, yeah. and. Um, and it, it presents itself in so many different ways. I often go into meetings with, you know, other senior people and think, oh, I'm just going to say something ridiculous here. So I need to keep my thoughts to myself. I, I don't feel comfortable saying out loud just in case they kind of suddenly find me out and mm. think, how has she possibly been doing this role for so <laughs> <laughs> um, And of course... I still have a lot of um, kind of surprise when I get good feedback and and, and positive feedback, um, and I still have that feeling that I'm going to be found out. <laughs> well, it, it's interesting. I, I I take a lot of groups through this, especially on my leadership programs. We talk about imposter syndrome, and and I ask the question: Who here, you know, might be a class of twenty, who here feels that they suffer from imposter syndrome? And everyone's hand will go up. And I just say, look, look around the room. You're full of imposters. And, and I think what it is, those of us that are, are driven to, to, to want to hit whatever goal it might be, and it might be a running goal, it might be a, a business goal, it could be any kind. Um, I, I, I think there's that 
acceptance that there's always something better that you could be doing. Mm. And I say the 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 more sort of senior people I tend to work with, I, I think it's just testament to the fact that they accept that okay, they're, they're doing okay, but there's so much more I could learn. And I yeah. think that's I think that's a positive thing. I think it's linked to growth mindset. I think it's linked to people that actually always appreciate there's always something else that I can go for. There's always I can always do better. But I think it becomes a negative when you it limits you. So I think you have to act in spite of that fear, in spite of the that that imposter syndrome. I think if it paralyzes you, that's a bad thing. But I I tend to reframe it as quite a positive thing. And it's it's you know look around the room everyone feels this way and and I think once you accept that you can kind of lighten up a little bit yeah I think that is that is true um and and it's been helpful I think to have um mentors in really senior roles more senior roles than I'm in to to really kind of share that with me and say to me you know that's how I feel you probably don't you don't realize it but I feel that the same way and to have that honest conversation with them and hear them say that really means a lot. Mm. Um, so I find that kind of mental relationship really helpful to me. Well, that's interesting because I think this links back to what you were saying previously about contact with your team and how it's really important to, to have that, that human element, that, that sort of softer side of leadership to create safety. And, <laughs> uh, and, and, I, and I think what you're experiencing with your mentors is no different to what you're trying with your, your, your team now. So I think I'd like to just explore as we sort of approach the, the end of, of, of our chat. And I could talk forever with Annabelle, but um, what kind of things for, for executives or business owners or any leaders sort of listening in about managing their teams remotely or, or things that you've learned around leadership, what kind of things would you perhaps leave us with as some, some things we could try or just to bear in mind from either this experience of lockdown or, or perhaps just the, the wider context? Um, I think one of the most important things that I will take away from the last four weeks is uh, those one-to-one conversations. Yeah. And more importantly, not just to focus all of them on work. And of course, you don't want to intrude into people's um, you know, personal lives, but actually just to ask a bit more about how they're doing on a personal basis um, and taking that time to listen has been really valuable and really important. And I think it's brought us closer together as a team. Um, so that's something that I'll definitely take away, um, even when we're back in the office. Yeah. Um, so I think that's really important. Um And the work-life balance, I think this has really made me reflect upon that this time at home. Um, As I said, I've I've got a lot of new positive habits, which I really want to carry forward and and maintain, even when we're all back to to normal, whatever that's going to look like. Yeah. Um, And making sure that I maintain those habits. So I've got some good tips from from the books I've been reading. So hopefully I'll be able to to, to keep those up in future. Well, what's um what what kind of can are you left with? So I've read Atomic Habits uh, as well, and I must admit, my first when I read the cover, 
I thought atomic habits, this is about making big, big differences. But it's atomic in terms of small, isn't it? It's, it's the Absolutely. smallest component. And, and he advocates um, what can you start on a really small level that you can then build incrementally. So, um, yeah, I, I was, I mean, so if, if whoever's listening in here, um, go grab yourself a coffee of atomic habits, really good read. But what's kind of stuck with you so far on your, in your kind of, as you explore that topic? So one of the things that I have started to use, um, and it's around the paperclip strategy. Okay. But it's kind of a combination of that and um, the Ivy Lee strategy. So it's a bit silly, so bear with me. It's all good, it's all good. (laughs) So um, at the end of each day, I'm making a list of six things that I have to do the next day and prioritizing them. so at the start of each day, I've got six important things that I do. But as a visual aid, instead of having paper clips, so a jar of paper clips and another jar of an empty jar, and moving one paper clip across to the other every time I do something, I'm actually using cream eggs. Uh, okay, so a bit of self-discipline involved here. Or do you exactly. eat the cream egg, no? No, well, well, <laughs> if I complete my six tasks... I move one across to the jar when I've, when I've completed each task. And if I manage to do all six, I'm eating one of the cream eggs. Wow. But if I don't, then the tasks are carried forward to the next day. Okay. And I don't get to eat any of the cream eggs. Well, so one that I, I, I love how you've kind of repurposed this paperclip exercise and it's a visual <laughs> cue there, but massive self-restraint as well involves. So you're exercising several habits here, aren't you? It's a, and also, I guess if you eat the cream egg, you've definitely got to go for your run or do your exercise. Exactly. So it's a win-win. I get the reward and the motivation. Yeah, oh, that's, I love that. I love that. And I think that's the thing with, with habits and disciplines and just to kind of bring this to a close is that... I think if I think people often think they, they they take off big chunk and they get disillusioned too soon, but like a like a meditation habit, like a morning routine habit, whatever. I think you just got to find those elements that you can start with, small, consistent, and you'd be amazed at how quickly, even over this four week period, you can build something which you can then carry forward into your life. Which you know, I think I think a lot of people miss that point about how habits are formed, really, because whatever behavior you're doing right now is is a consequence of habits you formed. Yeah, yeah. So you've got to be quite deliberate about it. Um, fabulous. Well, so I look forward to hearing how many cream <laughs> eggs you've consumed over this lockdown period. Um, Annabelle, <laughs> it's been amazing having you on. I'd love to have you on again as a guest further down the road uh, and perhaps we can explore in more detail the, the running aspect and, and, and perhaps we can talk about some of the big events if, if they're still on. But for the time being, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you and, and thank you so much for your time. No, thank you for your time. It's been, it's been really fun, so thank you. Brilliant. Thank you very much. Really enjoyed that chat with Annabelle there. Uh, it's, uh, she's got so many amazing stories to tell. I don't think we even scratched the surface there. Uh, so we'll certainly have Annabelle back on at a later date. Uh, for the time being, though, the conversation's going on over at LinkedIn, so please come and connect with me. Uh, join the chat, suggest which guests you might like to hear on future episodes and indeed what subjects you'd like me to cover. But for the time being, look after yourself and I'll see you on the next one.